The candidates for Iowa Attorney General have very different views on the role of that office. We'll discuss those differences with incumbent Democrat Tom Miller and Republican challenger Brenna Byrd on this edition of Iowa Press. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation. The Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Iowa PBS is supported in part by Wells Fargo. Fuel Iowa is a voice and a resource for Iowa's fuel industry. Our members offer a diverse range of products, including fuel, grocery, and convenience items. They help keep Iowans on the move in rural and urban communities. Together, we fuel Iowa. Small businesses are the backbone of Iowa's communities, and they are backed by Iowa banks. With advice, loans, and financial services, banks across Iowa are committed to showing small businesses the way to a stronger tomorrow. Learn more at iowabankers.com. For decades, Iowa Press has brought you political leaders and newsmakers from across Iowa and beyond, celebrating 50 years of broadcast excellence on statewide Iowa PBS. This is the Friday, September 9th edition of Iowa Press. Here is Kay Henderson. Our guests today are the two candidates listed on your 2022 general election ballot under the race for attorney general. Tom Miller is a Democrat who has held that office for nearly four decades. He was first elected in 1978. He ran for governor in 1990, so there's a four-year stretch where he wasn't attorney general, re-elected in 1994, and has been in office ever since. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I, you know, you always do a great job with this okay. show for, for the public. Thanks. Uh, also, to introduce our Republican candidate, Brenna Byrd. She is currently the Guthrie County attorney. She was elected to that post in 2018. She's a former chief of staff for former Congressman Steve King. She worked as Governor Terry Branstead's legal counsel from about the end of 2010 until um, 2015. These two folks also ran against one another in 2010. Brenna Bird, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks. Good to be here. Also joining the conversation are Clay Masters of Iowa Public Radio and Aaron Murphy of the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. Tom Miller, we'll start with you. As Kay mentioned, uh, roughly four decades in office, you're seeking another four-year term. What can you offer Iowans? What services can your office offer that you have not already accomplished in, in roughly 40 years on the job? Well, we, we have a lot of unfinished business that, that we want to focus on, first of all. One is in the opioids area. Uh, we've worked a lot uh, with the other states. We've sued the opioid companies. And we're going to recover about $225 million for Iowans. And we want to see that through in terms of how it's used to really help the people that, that, that suffered and, and their families through, the, through that, that epidemic. Uh, we want to do some prevention work. We want to do some drug treatment, particularly uh, uh, MAT, medicine-assisted treatment. So that's, that's part of the unfinished agenda. And then we, we've done a lot of work in, in, the, in the big tech area. We have two uh, major uh, antitrust cases against Google and Facebook. Uh, with the other states, want, 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 to, want to finish that through. And then, you know, we have other things we want to do, particularly focus on, on media and the kids, the, the abuse uh, that have taken place in Facebook and other, other areas of the kids. 
and, and want to do more in, in drug treatment generally beyond, beyond the opioids and do more in mental health. We want to focus on that as well. So uh, just a lot of unfinished business, new business. And th this is an amazing office. You don't know what's going to be the big issue, the big challenge, your big priority, uh, you know, next month. So we're prepared for that. But most of all, you know, we feel, feel we've served Iowans well. We've used the law to serve the interest of ordinary Iowans in consumer protection, opioids, the farm, farm, farm area and criminal prosecution, and, and as a, a very independent attorney general. We think that's important to continue that and, and real value to Iowans. Okay, Brendan Bird, uh, as Kay noted, uh, you ran for this office in 2010 as well. Uh, in what ways is your message maybe different this time, and, and why should this, in your mind, why should this election go differently than it did in 2010? Yeah, well, we still need a new attorney general, uh, one who will, will do the job and will fight for Iowans. Uh, one of the things that I will do is support our law enforcement. The attorney general is the top law enforcement official in Iowa, and as attorney general, I will back the blue. Uh, our current attorney general has been radio silent when it comes to law enforcement issues, but I work with law enforcement every day as county attorney, and I appreciate them, and I will stand up for them in the AG's office. I'll also hold the Biden administration accountable by taking them to court under federal law and the Constitution when they overreach. And that's also something that our current attorney general has failed to do. He uh, endorsed Joe Biden and the Iowa caucuses, and he's a big supporter of his. When you say back to law enforcement, what, what are you talking about? In what ways should the AG's office back law enforcement in, in ways that you feel is not happening right now? Yeah. Well, uh, and then, Mr. Miller, I'll give you an opportunity to respond. Oh, sure. Good. You know, one thing, I, I campaign across the state, uh, working hard in all 99 counties, and one thing I do is meet with law enforcement, regardless of their party affiliation. I meet with sheriffs, police chiefs, and others involved in law enforcement and public safety. And uniformly, they tell me they've never met the attorney general. In fact, um, I uh, was in Appanoose County, and uh, the sheriff there, Sheriff Anderson, has never met the attorney general, uh, even though uh, he was first made sheriff in 2001, and he's been in Iowa law enforcement his whole career. He was head of sheriffs and deputies. Uh, he was head of ISAC, which is all the county officials, and he's never met our attorney general, not even once, not in Des Moines. And, and that will change when I'm attorney general. I'll work with law enforcement. John Miller, is that important for the AG to be out and meeting with local law enforcement officials? It has some importance. I, I, I just had a, had a very good visit up at the Dickinson County, uh, the Dickinson County Sheriff's Office uh, and found out that they're going to use the opioids money to have a drug court in conjunction with Clay County, which is just exactly the kind of use, and we're going to do a statement supporting that and asking others to do it. Recently, I was out in Carroll County and had a terrific visit with the whole law enforcement community and talked about opioids and, and fentanyl and danger, uh, in danger of that. But, but the, the real relationship that is important and that we have with law enforcement is the criminal prosecution and, and criminal appeals work we do. Uh, we have a, just a terrific group of area prosecutors that go out and try cases with county attorneys and with law enforcement. You know, we've, we've done, we did the, Tibbet, the Molly Tibbetts case. We're doing with the county attorney the, 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 the case down in, in Fairfield concerning the, the teacher. That, and, and that has been a come, become a very professional relationship. A lot of respect that we have for law enforcement, law enforcement has with us. That's the real important relationship with law enforcement, and, and we've done it in, incredibly well. I want to move on. Uh, the landscape has changed uh, quite a bit when it comes to abortion rights in the country with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. 
Brennan Bird, you have said that you will be a, on the front lines on the fight to protect the so-called unborn. How so? And would that involve uh, jailing women who have abortions or doctors who perform them? Well, I'm 100% pro-life, and it will be my job as Attorney General to defend the law that the legislature would pass. Um, and in fact, our current Attorney General refused to defend the heartbeat bill when it was challenged in 2018. He didn't do his job there. I will defend our laws. And that heartbeat bill uh, certainly did not have any uh, criminal penalties in it, uh, nor uh, did it jail anyone. Uh, it did not do that, and our Attorney General did not defend it back in 2018. But in 2021, uh, he uh, defended the, the waiting period for abortion law until he changed his mind partway through and decided not to defend it anymore. When I'm Attorney General, I will do my job and defend the law. Attorney General Miller, how would you respond to that? Well, um, you know, I believe the Supreme Court made a big, big mistake in overturning Roe. I think, I think Roe was, was the right formula to deal with, with abortion in our country. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of women uh, feel incredible threats uh, in, terms, in terms of their liberty and in terms of their freedom to, to take care of their own medical conditions. And, and I support them in that and, and particularly opposed to the very extreme kinds of, 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 of actions concerning, you know, rape and incest and, 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 and in, in that area. So um, in, in, the term, in terms of the case that, that Brenda talks about, um, you know, I've, I've represented the state uh, in many ways, in cases where I, I generally disagreed with, with the policy. But twice I got to the situation where I thought that, given the situation, that I couldn't zealously represent the state two times out of 40, 40 years. And so I stepped aside. I think, I think that was the ethical thing to do, the right thing to do, uh, and I stand by that. So what was different about 2021 than what she brought up the, when you did, your office did represent the state? Well, we represented the state on a number of abortion cases, but when Roe was being challenged uh, directly, I stepped aside. Where the Iowa version of Roe is, is being attacked uh, very directly, I, I stepped aside for the same reason. But your, um, the attorney you signed to argue that case before the Iowa Supreme Court said that 2018 ruling uh, from the chief then Chief Justice of the Iowa Supreme Court, which said Iowa women have a constitutional right to an abortion, your representative in the courtroom said that that decision was, should be overturned. It was the wrong decision. He, that issue was not directly before the court at the time. The, the court um, sort of diverted to sort of the next step and, and posed a question, and he answered it uh, consistent with, I think, what we did before. But the real question is, is not that decision. It was, it was Planned Parenthood, one, that really established in Iowa basically the role kind of formula that is still in place. That's what's being contested now. And that goes to the heart of, of, of this issue so that, that, that I stepped aside. Brenda Bird, would you recommend to legislators a particular um, abortion policy that you see in place in other states? Well, I'm 100% I'm pro-life, but it will be up to the legislature to work through the issues and decide uh, what law they are going to pass. When they did pass the heartbeat bill, uh, there were exceptions for rape and incest in that bill. Uh, but uh, it'll be up to the legislature to make the law, and then it's my job under the laws and constitution to defend it. And, and, about, and you mentioned the fetal heartbeat. Governor Reynolds has asked the courts to lift the injunction on that, which if the courts grant that, that law would go into effect. And I, I, I want to make sure I heard you right, that you said you don't believe that that law 
has criminal charges for women or the doctors? Right. Is it, that right, it does not jail women or doctors, absolutely. Yep. And I would defend uh, the heartbeat law that was passed by the legislature in 2018, unlike our current attorney general. So what is the enforcement mechanism in that if, if, if it's not penalties for women or, or doctors? The, it, essentially, that's not really a ban then, is it? Well, there are, there are no criminal penalties. Uh, it does go before the Board of Medicine for the doctor at issue. Brenna Bird, you have said on the campaign trail that you would sue the Biden administration were you elected to this post. Tell our viewers what issues you would sue over. Well, there are, there are quite a few. So uh, I would sue over the, the COVID vaccine mandates, of which there were many, the COVID mask mandates, what the EPA is uh, doing to farmers through things like Waters of the U.S., um, and I would have uh, joined other AGs from other states uh, to stop the Biden administration from uh, not using Title 42 to turn back people at the southern border during the time of COVID. Uh, those are some examples. And, and there were times with those issues that uh, our governor and legislature forced the AG's office to file a lawsuit on those issues. But uh, General Miller's name wasn't on those lawsuits. Tom Miller, you have... Um agreed with the governor, sort of a handshake agreement, that you will join um, state, uh, other states' attorneys general in multi-state lawsuits if she approves, in other words, to challenge some federal mm -hmm. policy. Why did you do that? And um, Democrats think that that was the wrong step, that you sort of hamstrung your office. Well, I didn't have much of a choice. Uh, the legislature enacted a statute uh, that would have restricted uh, any of those cases that, that I could bring, would have re restricted any comment I would make to the federal government or elsewhere, was it was a very broad statute, and impacted the, the d powers and duties of the office. So I was very concerned about that. I went to the governor and, you know, advocated for her to veto it. She came back with a compromise, a limited, a limited compromise, that the comment period and all, all, that other, all, all, the, all those other activities would go forward, that on litigation I, I would have to, have to need her approval, as I would if she signed the legislation. And also, since it was an agreement between the two of us, it didn't go into the statute. It wouldn't affect the future. So it, it seemed to me to be a, be a good compromise at the time and, and, and still does. Um, I covered that legislative debate. They were critical of you for suing the Trump administration. Indeed, they were. Yes, <laughs> they did. That, that was the whole point of the, 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 the of the legislation that they didn't want me to sue the Trump administration. So, what's your response to their argument that you were overzealous? Well, I you know I, everything we do, we call them as we see them. We didn't join every lawsuit against Trump. Uh, but but we 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 joined we we joined we joined some of them and tried to make our, our best judgment. But it was never never a big priority or big focus of our office. We we worked with other states. Other states did did quite a bit of the work. Um, we believe that the work that I do in terms of ordinary Iowans, as I mentioned before, consumer protection, violent crime, opioids, the farm division. That's, that's the core of the office. This, this litigation at the federal level is, is not the core of the office. Brenna Bird, if you're elected, will you uh, continue this policy of giving the governor sort of a sign-off on any multi-state action you might choose to join? No, I would not. And uh, 
the reason that that legislation had to be enacted is because, uh, and the governor ended up vetoing it, was because uh, they were having to force the attorney general to, to do his job. And, and when you have a lawyer who won't do their job and you have to force them to do your job, definitely need a new lawyer. So that, 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 that's just not true. It wasn't that they were forcing me to do the job. They were objecting to the job I was doing. They were objecting to the litigation against the Trump administration. Well, that, that's not true either, because for things like Waters of the U.S., uh, Terry Branstead had to do that lawsuit, not you. Your name wasn't part of who was suing there. It was done in the name of the governor of Iowa. And there's a long record of that where you wouldn't put your name on it or you would take your name off of lawsuits. In, in, in certain cases, that I would do that and, and had, had the right to do that and was, was proper to send that, send that message to the court. Um, you know, we, we always do our job based on what we think are, are the, the principles and the ethics and the policy for, for, for our state. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody in the country has been as sincere and as dedicated to, to the Office of Attorney General and the rule of laws as I have, and am and, and recognized by my peers in that regard. Brennan Bird, Governor Reynolds on the campaign trail multiple times has told crowds and supporters that she wants her own Attorney General. Um, if she is reelected and if you are uh, elected to this office, Will you serve as the state's attorney regardless of partisan and political issues or would you be, you know, the governor's essential personal attorney in that office? Yeah, well, I, I think what Governor Reynolds was saying was that she wants an attorney general who will work hard and do the job. And I will certainly do that. Uh, Iowa needs an attorney general who's working for Iowa, not just occupying the job and not somebody who's retired on the job. I will work with law enforcement and I will push back against the Biden administration, but let me tell you this, I will call things like I need, see them, the balls and the strikes, not according to politics, just like I do as a prosecutor, as a county attorney. I don't know the politics of the people that I charge with crimes, and if I did, it wouldn't make a difference to the law and the outcome. Uh, Tom Miller, uh, you have in, in the past uh, been, I don't know if supportive is the right word, but maybe defended the uh, uh, vaping industry. At one point you were an advisor for Juul. Uh, can you explain the, why uh, you, last year you issued a statement saying that you opposed the FDA's uh, crackdown on vaping products? Uh, wh why you thought that was the right announcement, the right stance to take? Yeah. Well, here's the situation that um, I've spent 25 years fighting the, the disease and death from cigarettes, from combustible cigarettes. It's, it's 450,000 a year in, in, in America. And the vaping product uh, is, is a product that uh, is far less harmful, is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a public health, a harm reduction substitute for, for combustible cigarettes. We could save hundreds of thousands of lives if, if people switched, and that's what I'm in favor of. I'm not, I've never been in favor of kids using, using, using e-cigarettes because they're addictive. We don't want kids using that. I, I've done a lot of programs. I support a lot of efforts, efforts, efforts to do that. So it's, it's, a, it's a public health harm reduction. What we want is for adult smokers to switch and save for half millions of lives, and we don't want kids vaping. We want, we want, to, we want to work on both ends. Clay? I want to move to something else here, but first I want to ask a, a quick question with a quick answer. Uh, do you both, well, first, Brennan Bird, do you accept the results of the presidential election from 2020? 
I, I do believe that Joe Biden is our president. I have a lot of concerns, though, about election integrity. And uh, Attorney General Miller, do you believe uh, in the results of the 2020 election for president? I do. I do. And, you know, I just want to do a brief shout out to our, our auditors, our county auditors in this state, the election officials. They do a terrific job. They're, so they're, in, they're independent. When, they're, when the numbers come from those county auditors, those are the right numbers. So should the judicial branch, there could be some uh, controversies surrounding the 2024 election results. Uh, should the judicial branch continue to be the arbitrator of election results, or as some have advocated for the Supreme Court, for uh, state legislators uh, to be uh, overriding any of that, Brenna? Well, the, the way I see it, election integrity in Iowa is so important, and Iowans are really concerned about that. And we have done some good things in Iowa to make our elections more secure, like voter ID, uh, something my opponent opposes. But uh, I believe that the system we have now uh, in Iowa works well, and I would enforce that. And I, of course, uh, the legislature would make the law in that regard, and it's my job to uphold it and enforce that law. Tom Miller? Yeah. Uh, like I say, I, I think Iowa has a terrific system, largely because of the county auditors, the, the elected officials. When, when those numbers come up, they're, they're real numbers. And those numbers shouldn't be overturned except for in incredibly extreme circumstances. Uh, and, and the courts can do that, but, but would rarely do it. And I think the legislature stepping in and selecting electors is a very dangerous practice that's, that I don't think will happen in Iowa. It could help elsewhere. That, that would be the means to overturn a legitimate election and, and, and tilt and, and de you know, at, at our, our core democratic principles. That is, that is a very dangerous set of problems that, that, are, that are present in other states, but I don't think in Iowa. But, but as a nation, we need to be worried about that. The legislature has made some changes to the judicial nominating commissions in Iowa. Brenna Byrd, do you think more changes should be made to the process of nominating um, candidates for openings in the courts? Well, as somebody who uh, regularly tries cases and appears in court, I know how important it is to have good judges. And I think that it's important that that process is open uh, and that uh, the people understand how judges are chosen and that the best people can be chosen because often when somebody has a case, whether it's a criminal case or a custody matter, those decisions by that district court judge will be what happens in their life and to their family. So I take that very seriously. So do you think the system is working well? I think there are still some ways that it could be improved. And the number one way is I bet if we asked uh, an Iowan how are judges chosen, they might not know the answer to that. And that shows the importance that we need for transparency to that process so they understand how judges are chosen, how that process works. But you're not advocating electing judges, right? I'm not in support of electing judges at all. I do think uh, there's some wisdom to having judges be appointed and confirmed by the legislature. We need that check and balance and that transparency, but I oppose judicial elections. Tom Miller? I, I oppose judicial, uh, judicial elections uh, as well. Uh, and, and think that the current system works, uh, you know, basically well. I think, you know, it was, it was changed somewhat to take, to give the governor more power in the process. I, I think that was a mistake. I think the, the previous system of having the, the judge be the chair of the, the, the selection the nominating commission made sense. So I was opposed to that. But generally, I, I think we're in the right area. And, and we have good judges. You know, we're, we're before them all the time in the Supreme Court, Court of Appeals, and the District Court. Gen generally, we have, I, I think, really good judges that we can be proud of. We're down to our last about two minutes here. I uh, wanted to ask you both, um, and Tom Miller, we'll start with you. Iowa voters this fall are going to be asked to vote on a constitutional amendment 
that would act, add strict scrutiny to um, gun regulation laws, um, the Second Amendment uh, uh, amendment. It's it's being called. I'm, I'm I want to hear from each of you, and, and again, Tom, we'll start with you. Um, what are your do you have any thoughts on that proposal, that proposed constitutional amendment, and in what ways do you see it impacting the Attorney General's office and work? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I recognize and support the Second Amendment. Uh, I think that's an important part of our Constitution, uh, state and, and potentially federal. But as a law enforcement person, um, the strict, strict scrutiny that you mentioned uh, is, is really pretty troubling. It would be very hard to get common sense gun, gun control legislation by the Constitution with strict scrutiny. Uh, we would be one of the few, if not only, places to ha have strict scrutiny. And for, from the law enforcement point of view, I think that, that law enforcement needs some control, some reasonable control uh, on, on guns, and also, also, of course, the public. Uh, so the strict scrutiny is, is, is troublesome because of the law enforcement consequence, consequences. Bird, we'll, we'll give you the final minute. Yeah, I, uh, I support the Second Amendment, and uh, my opponent has gotten an F in the past from the NRA. When I'm Attorney General, uh, I will defend our laws, but one of the most important things that we can do with regard to guns is to increase and beef up the penalties for a felon in possession of firearms. As a prosecutor, uh, I think that that penalty is far too lenient and it should be a lot stronger. What is it today? It's a D felony and uh, most judges will give probation for someone who is convicted of that when we're arguing a sentence and I, I don't think that's right. And on the ballot measure specifically, do you support or, or, or oppose that Second Amendment proposal? Yeah, I, I support our Second Amendment. I support the ballot measure. We are out of time, folks. Thank you both for joining us on this edition of Iowa Press. And for you watching at home, you can join Iowa Press at any time online at iowapbs.org, or you can watch us at our regular broadcast times Friday at 7.30 nights and at noon on Sundays. For everyone here at Iowa PBS, thanks for watching. Funding for Iowa Press was provided by Friends, the Iowa PBS Foundation. The Associated General Contractors of Iowa, the public's partner in building Iowa's highway, bridge, and municipal utility infrastructure. Iowa PBS is supported in part by Wells Fargo. Fuel Iowa is a voice and a resource for Iowa's fuel industry. Our members offer a diverse range of products, including fuel, grocery, and convenience items. They help keep Iowans on the move in rural and urban communities. Together, we fuel Iowa. Small businesses are the backbone of Iowa's communities, and they are backed by Iowa banks. With advice, loans, and financial services, banks across Iowa are committed to showing small businesses the way to a stronger tomorrow. Learn more at iowabankers.com.